Hey there, we're those sci-fi guys, and this is that those sci-fi guys show. Just two working dudes, different lives, different jobs, but a whole lot of love for science fiction and the fun that comes with. We are your hosts. I am P.S. McKay. Also happy to announce that Hugh Jackman will be returning to his role of Wolverine specifically for our next episode. Well, if Hugh Jackman is coming in the next episode, I guess we're going to need a few Sonic Dance routines. <laughs> I got a few already lined up. Don't worry. So, <laughs> And you are? I'm DT Cavman, and I am having a bout of that mysterious fog that I think is left over from my grand time in launch stool. The launch stool. That's German for the stool. That's German for the long stool, meaning a big poop. <laughs> Which That's your time there was it. certainly what it felt like, I'm sure. <laughs> no, no insult. No insult to the German uh, population there. It's just the I circumstances like, the of being. The stool of Germany is a very pretty little German village. Uh, Germ- uh, Lonstuhl, um Regional Medical Center is uh, where I was sent when I uh, was evacuated from overseas when I was uh, hospitalized for COVID. And it, they took very good care of me. They saved my life. The flu in the cafeteria was god-fucking-awful. But once I was healthy enough to walk outside the gates, I could have schnitzel to my heart's content. <laughs> Were you treated by Americans or were they were they Germans? The, the military. The civil, it was a military case, right? So you had you had U.S. service uh, medical personnel, right? Yes, they were, you know, U.S. military, and we had civilian doctors, you know, but they were like U.S. Mm-hmm. Not not that I mean, it's a mil it's a U.S. military base. It's actually a military base. So. Well, I would find it weird that the army would evacuate you specifically to bring you to a civilian hospital in another country. Uh, it, that would they be could done, they could have done that, yeah, in Saudi. Because they could have. That's an emergency situation, absolutely. Um, but uh, bless you. But uh, I just just them saying this is standard operating procedure. On the other hand, that feels a little off to me but you know i mean you do what you got to do to be able to make things happen so um well launch duel is also where they would evacuate people for higher medical care who got wounded in iraq and afghanistan so sometimes it's a stopping point on the way to care in in the states other times it was like you know you'd stop there for some rehab on your way home or people would actually be evacuated and sometimes go back where most most of my uh most of my office mates who got sick with covid did end up going back i just got so sick that it had lasting repercussions and they sent me home yeah it sucks but i uh it's just one of those things where like i've been you know, periodically have moments of like a fugue state where you know, I just, my brain feels off, a little cloudy. Yeah. And since then, you know, there is something, there is 
you know, research behind COVID brain, so to speak. So it, it happens. You're also going through a big transition in life, man. That doesn't help with the fugue states. No. Uh, that doesn't help at all. I, all I'm saying is, like, you're going through a whole lot <laughs> right now. So don't, I, I just, you know, give yourself some credit where, where it's due. You're dealing with a lot. And I, I, I feel like you're handling it the best way you can, which, you know, that's all you can do. I'm doing my best. You know, life isn't easy. No, there are no easy answers in life, my friend. <laughs> uh, grumpy old man. Well, there's many, many things that that's a quote from, but yeah, I was actually going more towards um, uh, the super fans. Oh, yeah. OK. So speaking of super friends, did you see the announcement by Ryan Reynolds today? Uh, no. So my my intro meant nothing to you. <laughs> he announced that dead. He announced the uh, the release date for Deadpool three, and that Hugh Jackman was going to be in it oh, well, that as as Wolverine. Been to Hugh Jackman in this, in this movie for years. Yeah, and it's going to be a a, de- a good deal because. Hugh Jackman and Kevin Feige are good friends. Feige's always wanted to give justice to Wolverine. And we obviously know Ryan, um, what's his name? Ryan Reynolds' passion for the Deadpool character. Uh, So this will be, I think, I'm I'm excited for this. I'm cautiously optimistic that this is going to be a mind blower. Well, here's hoping. Um, and you wonder because Deadpool is so R-rated and all the sex and violence and swearing, and you wonder uh, if there's room for that in Disney. But Andor went and proved that. <laughs> <laughs> nice transition. Nice transition. Yes, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to be discussing the new Disney Plus series, Star Wars Andor, which follows uh, Diego Luna's Andor. character, Cassian Andor, in a prequel to uh, Rogue One, which itself was a prequel to the original trilogy, um, which itself is a prequel to the sequel trilogy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> This, this timeline's getting way too complicated. <laughs> Which is essentially a prequel to Dune, I think, is where it all wraps around. Ugh. This is what happens when you try to mine an IP a good 40 years after it came out. Everything is discombobulated, and there's there's just no... <laughs> there's no order to things. You just have to hope that that you know the order of which everything is on the timeline. Which, this time at least, they actually said that Andor takes place five uh, years before the Battle of Yavin. Five BBY. Which places it right around the time of some of the events of Star Wars Rebels, it looks like. Rebels started four years BBY. 
I know, well, I know, yeah. I know. Huge, huge chasm between those two timelines, right there, right? <laughs> they may not meet. I was thinking that they probably would. That would be pretty awesome. We get to see uh, because there's no way we're gonna get a Thrawn show or Ahsoka meeting Thrawn without her finding Ezra. There's no way. And right. so we'll keep we'll be able to see a live action Ezra. We will three rebels already. In Andor, well, live Ezra would be pre-Rebels would be like twelve years old. Well, he was what fifteen, thirteen, maybe. I don't know. I always had it in my head fifteen, but you could be right. I mean, uh, uh, you could see that. You could see Hera or a younger Kanan. You could you could possibly see these, but you know, do you think Andor they have Freddie of- Prince Jr. play Kanan? They better, right? Yeah, it would be, buddy. He probably is too old to play Kanan now. You just put a, slap a little makeup on that face, he'll be fine. He'll be fine. He's be aged. Not even. Like, I mean, Freddie Prince Jr. has aged quite well. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, really he's closer to he 50. Kanan's soul patch and ponytail? Yeah. He's Freddie Prince Jr., of course. All of my hatred towards him in the late 90s has specifically gone away from my respect for his genetics. Speaking of his genetics, did you ever see anything by his dad? No. Wasn't he a singer? He was a singer-entertainer, wasn't he? actor. Oh, really? Freddie Prince was absolutely fucking hysterical. Comedic actor, huh? Well, he was like a stand-up comedian, and then he got a sitcom, as what happens. But he was like 20 years old when he got this sitcom. Right. It's called Chico and the Man. Chico and the Man? Chico and the Man. It was actually pretty funny. I mean, it was... Oh, it's that guy. It was in the 70s. Yeah, it was... Oh, you've seen him, or have you seen the old guy from Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory? Jesus Christ, I had no idea his dad died at the age of 22. Yeah, Freddie. Apparently, Freddie Senior had had some demons and stuff. It was. Oh my God! Age twenty two. He was a rising star. I think Chico and the Man was in like season two or th- season three, maybe. Yeah, uh, it went to four seasons. Four seasons from seventy four to seventy seven. Well, seventy eight. But he died in 77, so they must have done, like, a rewrite halfway through season four. They did. Like, yeah. They kind of wrote him out. Something. I can't remember. I mean, this show was on before I was born. But I remember when TV Ryan kind of blew out onto the scene in the late 90s, early 2000s. And it was, like, a place where you could watch these reruns at, like, late at night. In college, when you're up studying or after you've been drinking. <laughs> Let's see. Champs ate champs. I'm just trying to figure out the episode in season three where where he would have been written out. Uh, but I can't find it. I'd have to I'd have to do a deeper dig. But man, that blows my mind. He was 22 years old. That's such a tragedy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, God, that. 22 
growing up felt like an adult, but that's not an adult. That that's virtually a child. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, uh, he Freddie Prince Jr. was extremely is extremely talented. Uh, his father was hilarious. Yeah. Huh. Well, anyway, I vote for uh, Freddie Prince Jr. to be Kanan in a live action. I mean, I'll, I'll take it. That sounds excellent to me. So, speaking of which, Andor, which, let's talk about this. It's going to be the first three episodes. They all released on the same day. Yeah. For good reason. Um, all three yeah, add up well, into a really good, they, you know, uh, part one movie. Not? 35, 40 minutes? About, uh, the first one was like 50 minutes. Well, I, okay. the whole the whole streaming time was 51 minutes, but you know how it is with credits nowadays. It's like, yeah. that's seven minutes. Um, so yeah, about 40 minutes, between 35, 40 minutes. They make, yeah. you watch, they make you watch all the way through like most of the credits before you get the, you know, jump to the next, next episode. Thing. Yeah, they do. Um... Well, as they should. Those people need to get the credit that they deserve. But uh, um, this was a show I, I didn't want. I didn't want it, DT. I, I was like, why? We already know how it ends. I told you this. I've expressed this before on this show. I didn't feel that it was a very important aspect of Star Wars to explore. I, I'm just coming clean on it. I, I you know. But this is this is the this is like Star Wars without any of the mystic shit. It's one of the, the things mystic. that people found interesting about Rogue One, with the exception of maybe Sure Unway and Darth Vader. Ninety percent of it was all gritty, Just real life, gritty war in a futuristic yeah. galaxy far, far away, long, long time ago. Well, a space war, basically. A Star War, if you will. Hmm. Weird. Oh, space battles sounds better. Space battle, you're right, you're right. Uh, maybe oh, battle, battle Beyond the Stars. Battlestar. Ah, Battlestar, there it is. <laughs> so that was my attitude going into this. I did, I, literally, I was kicking and screaming, sort of. But I noticed that a lot of the commentators that I follow, who I do, I do not take their word as gospel, okay? I want to be very clear about this. I listen to a lot of them, you know, to gain another third perspective or something like that. But I don't take what they say to heart. A lot mm. of times they hate the new Star Wars stuff, trust me. But I haven't heard anything out of them not a peep. Like, they're not talking good, they're not talking bad, which told me something about this show is different. So, the two Star Wars projects that have garnered the most success since Disney bought Star Wars has been The Mandalorian. Yep. And Rogue One. Oh, life was looking good right after Rogue One came out for Disney Star Wars. It was looking and, cool. I mean, I guess Rebels technically was... That was a Disney that project. One. It was, which 
was not as well received at first because it was they thought it was an even more cartoony, kitty version of the Clone Wars. Yeah. But much like Enterprise, after its first season or so, it really kind of packed on, particularly with the longer-range story arcs. They started bringing in familiar characters, but not just like force, you know, yes, did they have an episode with Leia Organa and an episode with Lando Calrissian? Sure. But when they brought in supporting characters like Rex and Ahsoka, who were recurring characters. And then when they dropped the Thrawn bomb on people. Oh, my God. I lost my shit. I lost it. (laughs) Oh, God. Yeah. So, (laughs) And it was basically, it was literally, I'm sorry, I don't mean to cut you off, but their introduction of Thrawn was basically straight out of the Thrawn trilogy, Heir to the Empire. Oh, of course, yeah. <laughs> you know, almost word for word. Even the, his analysis of other world world's art. And I like that about him. I'm not the biggest art guy, but this is the first time I'd ever heard anything like that in anything. Mm-hmm. Um, you see their art. You can see the society. You know... And that's what I that's what I enjoyed was it was a different perspective, right? Thrawn had a different perspective on things. Mm-hmm. Everybody's diving into the more traditional shit. Thrawn looks at art and goes, "Oh, so that's why these people do these things." Yeah, oh. <laughs> he he's just put it all together. Almost always, three steps ahead of everybody. Uh-huh. And as an imperial officer, and of course it was, you know, uh, in in the novels and whatnot, he might have you executed, or he might not have you executed. You kind of almost in some ways determined whether or not that happened. Like, there was an example, I think, in Air of the Empire where they were trying to catch... I think it was Luke Skywalker with a tractor beam. And by this time, the Empire had been doing with a lot of conscripts, not volunteers and such. So it was uh, not quite to the heights. And basically... You mean you deal with a bunch of conscripts? You have a substandard army? What? When Thrawn was questioning what happened... The guy was kind of throwing all these excuses out there, so Thrawn had him executed. <laughs> but there was another time they tried, I think it was a later time where they had made an attempt to uh, catch Luke in a different occasion. Another guy was trying to catch him with a tractor beam, and he tried something different. To try to catch Luke. And he almost caught him. They didn't because, of course, it's Luke, right? Uh, But Thrawn was impressed with his thinking about trying to do something. And rather than just kill this guy or jack his whole world up for this failure, he promoted him because he and told him to start researching and developing manners because he watched as Luke was making this unorthodox move. And that this guy was trying to anticipate it and almost succeeded. So yeah. It's an example of 
Okay, so maybe the, the execution of the one guy is kind of a little more draconian, but still. He showed he he showed a, an ex, uh, he showed an a, an appreciation for talent when it even if it even if it failed initially. Yes, he also was a man who did not turn down a good idea if it wasn't his. And that was something that some of the officers who had served under Vader and some of these other more volatile personalities that the Empire <laughs> had. Mm-hmm. You know, these ex-stabbers, you know, like his second-in-command had come up with something once or had voiced something out loud that seemed like an interesting idea. And he's like, oh, oh, I'm, I'm sorry, sir. And he's like, did you think I was going to, you know, discard an idea? Because it wasn't mine, and because it's you know the book you know books is like yeah yeah <laughs> you know, the guys in the monologue was like yeah you could even just get that vibe even without like the inner monologue writing down is like yeah this is exactly what this guy thought so yeah on the contrary I'm open to you know good ideas which made him a formidable. It made him a great character because he was more three-dimensional, which is stuff you're starting to get with the long-form Star Wars storytelling. That's what made the Clone Wars so great is that you got to see multiple dimensions of Anakin Skywalker, a guy who we really only saw like two sides of Mm -hmm. in, in the movies. You get to see complex characters like... They, they they turn the clones from one-dimensional characters into three 3D people. Yeah. You know, they even gave individuals. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they 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 took this throwaway line of dialogue, which they turned into a few like to maybe three action scenes and a montage in two movies and then turned it into one of the greatest you know products in Star Wars. And that's what the long form storytelling is. I mean you you're learning about who Din Djarin is. Hell you even learn about more who Boba Fett is as a person in his show when he's present. <laughs> yeah, no, true. You kind when of he's see present, him go yeah. Complete walkabout when he comes out of the Sarlacc pit. Which is kind mm-hmm. of interesting. He is almost an entirely different person by the time you see him in the Mandalorian than you see him in the original trilogy. That's true. Now, uh, let me just bring up one little idea. Uh, just you know, just real quick. Thrawn, heir to the Empire, came out in what? Ninety two, ninety three. Uh, 91, 91? I think. Okay. You know who Thrawn reminds me of? He reminds me of... Shit, what's his name? Hans Mr. Gruber Burn. from Die Hard. Yes. Like, uh, this, was, this was the turning point for bad guys, where bad guys weren't impulsive, they were calculating and intelligent. And you saw that! And a whole lot of 90s stuff. I know Die Hard came out in 88 or 89, but you know what I mean. 
that well it was that era the best villains are really ones who you can almost get behind right? well they have a, a, a genuine human motivation yes I mean, look at what they did for Thanos in Infinity War. I mean, I'm well, not saying to get behind him, but you spent as much time with Thanos in that movie as you did any of the Avengers. He actually had the most screen time out of anyone. And by the way, Captain America, Chris Evans was technically listed as a cameo in Infinity War. He was paid as a cameo for scale. Think about that. That's crazy. That seems... I mean, there was a lot more. He probably had 15, 20 minutes of runtime. I think he had... A, no, it was under seven minutes. No. Yes, it was under... It's literally on IMDb, under the trivia section. It. He had under seven minutes. You have to be under seven minutes to have a cameo. And, like, they were saving their money so that they could pay him good for Endgame. Oh, yeah, because Endgame was very... OG uh, Avengers eccentric. Um, and it definitely seems like he was in the movie more than just seven minutes. It feels like it. They did a really good job, you know, spreading out the love for all the characters. That's what's so amazing about Infinity War. Yeah. Endgame, too. Oh, Endgame was just a, a work of art. I mean,. I think I but, cried. I did cry. But, I did it, cry. <laughs> you can't tell me that prime Rickman from like the mid to late 90s wouldn't have been a good choice for a live action Thrawn. Oh, no, he would have been perfect. He would have been, he, I can't even think of a better person. Maybe. Cumberbatch. Oh, Cumberbatch. That was who, that was who I was thinking of, too. <laughs> oh, oh, if you were to bring in Lars Mikkelsen. The guy who did the voice, he was a pretty good. He's a pretty good actor in live action as well. Is he? Does he have the same features? Not exactly. Wait, wasn't um, he in Doctor Strange? No, that's Mads Mikkelsen. Is no, Lars, I'm sorry. Lars I'm sorry. was in season three or season four of Sherlock. Season season three. Yeah. I'm looking through I'm looking through IMDB right now to find the the Oh, here we go. Here's the approximate screen time for each major character in Infinity. Okay. This is this is this is way off topic. We have barely yeah. talked about Andor. But I'm just reinforcing it. Uh Thanos 29 minutes, the one character who had the most time. Uh, Peter Parker, <laughs> seven minutes thirty seconds. By the way, um, and then that's going. All right, I'm looking so, for enough. Captain America. Enough. Look for Captain America. Stop. What? All right. So, getting back to Andor. Six minutes forty. Or dick. I what? I needed to say it. Andor. All right. Hey, okay, Sheldon. <laughs> anyway, you get development, right? And that's what you're getting already. You, deep exploration. Got... Yes. I didn't see Cassian's backstory coming. 
I, I didn't expect how they portrayed it, no, at all. It's fascinating. They almost had a Lord of the Flies kind of situation there. It really was. It was a tribe of children, more or less, that where he grew up on, on was it, uh, Canary? Yes. I, I, which is funny, because it almost sounds like Canary, and they're all wearing yellow. I'm wondering and if that means you know, something. Funny, and it looks like all the adults died from whatever exposure to whatever happened at that mine. Oh, yeah. In the coal mine. That's right. That's right. Because the children seemed to survive. That's why all yeah, those dudes, when they that. crash, yeah. when the separatist ship crashes, and they're all wearing, like, the masks and shit. So. How did we know that that was a separatist ship? They had the patch on their shoulder. Oh, son of a gun. I... <sighs> okay. And then, so we uh, had... Uh, it wasn't the Empire at that point. It was... No, yeah, it was pre-Empire. Well, was it? Because it's five years, so it could have been ten years prior. This is five years after Revenge of the Sith. Could have been Empire. No. That's the symbol. And then they talked about that when he gets taken by the, the two scavengers, they're trying to duck a Republic ship. You're right. You're right. They did say that. They did say that. Okay. And we don't know when this took place, right? Like, technically, they didn't do a time stamp no. on it? No. No, but I did like how they would show things in Arabesh and then show you. <laughs> yeah, they, I like that, too. Thank God. Thank God. <laughs> and, of course... It can't be a Disney Star Wars show without somebody from Game of Thrones in it. Oh, shit. Wait, who? Who? The actual head of security. The old oh, the older guy that, that was there <laughs> that left early to, to go to the, uh, the, I, the meeting? Yeah, I, I, I was like, man, this guy sounds really familiar. So I was looking it up. I'm like, quick, like, Oh yeah, without the mustache, I see it now. What was he? What was what was he in in Game of Thrones? Because I enjoyed his character, by the way. He, he was uh, Bronze Jan Royce, the um, the basically the the second most powerful dude in the in the uh, Eerie. Oh, the you know the one who didn't. Didn't like Littlefinger. Oh, yeah. 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 Okay. All right. All right. He was the one who was fostering. Oh, what was his name? Uh, the little Aaron kid. The spoiled, obnoxious brat. Me. Oh. Not Lady Greyjoy, but I know what you're saying, yeah. Lady, okay. Lady Aaron, yeah. Yeah. Her son. Yeah. Uh, anyway. All right, we don't need to do, like, recap of the plot or anything. No, I mean, basically what it's setting up is this is before Cassian joins 
the rebellion. In fact, this is kind of in the nascent rebellion phase before, you know, it's all desperate, you know, disparate groups of cells either pushing back against the empire or in this particular case, pushing back against corporate security because this large corporation kind of controls this sector and their security is kind of like law. Yeah, which I, I found that interesting that that you didn't have a lot of empire. You barely saw any. There was no there was no empire um, uh, presence in this show so far for the, the, the first three episodes. None. But there was this private security force, which, by the way, really liked the idea that they all wear these clunky, you know, baggy, saggy costumes. And the one yes. guy, number two or number one, whatever you want to say, actually let in his costume and his yeah. boss figured it out. And he goes, did you alter your costume? Just let it in a little bit. <laughs> just, which shows you how vain he is. And oh, yeah. uh, I mean, this is a guy who really wants. He he. He has visions of glory for himself. When you see him talk to that uh, overzealous sergeant uh, about, like, oh, this burns me that they murdered security, you know, brother security officers and get away with it. This is a guy who has delusions of grandeur and thinks yes. that he is going to be the next Grand Moff Tarkin, you know? Yeah, yeah. But I did like the idea of a separate security force that's that's like, you know, in league with the Empire, but not answering directly to the Empire. Um, I liked that. And this is the first time I ever heard the term human in the Star Wars universe. Mm -hmm. Where they actually described characters as human. I mean, am I wrong? No. I mean, yes. Yes, you are wrong. That They, they mentioned humans more often because they can't use any other term for them. Right, but w when did they say that? They didn't say it in the movies. And I, I'm using that as primary canon. I mean, they probably said it in, in Clone Wars, maybe. Um, definitely the books, I'm sure they did. Oh, definitely in the books. But, like, in like live broadcast canon, is this the first time they've actually done that? No, I don't think so. I mean, I can't prove it right off the top of my head. I just no. Just there's nothing. Like, okay, something to think about. Something to think about. <laughs> so, I, I I liked that. Okay, I liked the idea that they explained uh, Cassian's accent because he came from this feral uh, this feral tribe that didn't speak. I don't basic. know. What, was it basic? basic? It's basic. Which is basically uh, a English accent, uh, English, <laughs> the Queen's it's, English. It's ba no, it's the King's English now. Par pardon me. Um, you have you have Irish, Scottish, English, American, and Australian accents now. You, really, in the older days of Star Wars, is either like English or American type accents. But right. I mean, they had some Irish, and they had a lot. They have a lot of Scottish actors on the show. 
They do. And I love Scotty, the 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 deputy that that is number two in the in the uh, recovery team. I call I call him Scotty. Yeah, he's the overzealous sergeant I was talking to about. Yeah. Okay, that was him. Um, I love him. Uh, <laughs> by the way, uh, Cyril Carn, the the overzealous uh, officer with the the tuck, you know, the t- tucked in uniform. Yeah. American accent. The only he one. Yeah, but he's the only one. Do you think that means something? Because all the other most of most of the people that are rebelling against the Empire have American accents, except for Cassian, whom we have already realized that he was plucked out of childhood from a feral planet. Um now what about the 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 girl Bix? Doesn't she have an American accent? She does, yes, but she's not part of like corporate security or anything. No, but like you know, I noticed that they tend to have more American accents in people rebelling against these. Yes, that's these my point. That's what I've seen. But so, do you think that means something for for Cyril? Um, there, like down the line. I heard a video that said that this is proof that maybe this guy will switch sides. I don't know. That's... He seems really toolish. Well, maybe this is his story arc. Like, you know, the same thing for like what we saw with Reva, who by pretty much the entire Kenobi series, she was a terribly written character. And yeah. then they redeemed her at the end. Sort of. Like they I don't think she was particularly redeemed. I mean, no, just, she just, I mean, they tried for it. Yeah, it, that that the character had issues. The writing had more issues. Like yeah, well, I, <laughs> I want to be very clear. We're blaming the writers for this. Say the actress. So there not the actress. The yeah. So there's only so much you can do with bad writing. Oh, so, oh, yeah, that poor thing. I feel so bad for her having to deal with the stuff that she dealt with. I mean, just like the actor that played Joffrey in Game of Thrones, he quit acting because he was so good at it. <laughs> because he was just such a despicable and hated character. I mean, so was so was the guy who played Ramsey Bolton. Who, oh my God, yes. But then, of course, his. His punishment came in being the bad guy in the Inhuman series. When was the last uh, time you saw him? Yeah, that's true. That's true. That's a bad if punishment. <laughs> Might have been able to transcend that. If he had Anson Mount's hair, yeah, absolutely. Could have worked. Could have worked. So, I mean, anyway, I have a feeling that Cyril is going to be, um, he's on well, a story arc to be redeemed. This isn't necessarily Andor's show. It's about this guy. It's going to be a pocket, a pocket story. Well, not a bad thing, by the way. It's okay for a TV show to have multiple characters have plot points in in progression. Yeah, and I'm not saying that that's this fault. That's a fault here. I agree with I agree. I agree with that. I just think reading the accents. This is my this is my fortune telling. 
Um, and I could very well be wrong, easily wrong. I'm not. What blew my mind about this guy, Cyril or Carol or Cyril Figgis or whatever his name is. <laughs> Cyril oh. Figgis. Yeah. Um, Cyril Karn. That, yes, that this guy, Cyril, I didn't even know. I thought he was putting on an American accent because I had seen him on a BBC show where he was playing an Englishman. And they typically, on most of these BBC shows, if you've got an American, they're playing an American. They're not playing Brits. They like we have enough. Yeah. So when I found it, when I was like, oh well, I guess he's putting on an American accent. I don't know why. Then I looked him up. And I'm like, holy shit, he's American. He is American. It's a it's a rare thing for an American to play a Brit in a British show. A rare thing, which is why John Lithgow playing. <laughs> um, Oh my God! What's his name? You know, one of the greatest prime ministers of all all time, uh, uh, Chester Churchill, playing Churchill in The Crown. Holy crap! Lithgow Amazing. Churchill. He played Churchill in the first season of The Crown on Netflix. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. He got an Emmy for it. He got an Emmy for it. He was brilliant. When an American can do it in a British show and actually be awarded for it, that is an amazing achievement. I'm just saying. So this guy who plays Cyril, already a great actor in my book already. And actually, I I do like him as the bad guy, sort of. You know what I mean? He's, I don't know if you'd call him a bad guy right now. He's an opportunist. He's an antagonist. He's he's an opportunist who wants to climb up the ladder. He definitely. Is, but he's not whether he's pure evil or not, another no. question. Pro- that's the problem is he's not competent enough right now. He's, yeah, he's a stooge. He's he's but a kid. He's a kid wearing his parents' clothes. I do like his character though. I I I I I didn't expect I would. By the way, I didn't I didn't expect to like this show, but man, this is actually very good writing you have to watch it like you can't just be on your phone watching it because there's a lot going on and it's a good lot going on it's not just like um action 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 it's no it's it's like oh downton abbey every sentence means something in downton abbey especially by maggie smith yeah exactly oh my god yes <laughs> every sentence especially for maggie smith means something so you can't you can't just casually watch it you have to pay attention which i did not expect for andor so quick quick backstory double back the guy um what is the actor's name i don't want to be hey, the guy so kyle solar who plays cyril Carn. yep he was in uh, the, I guess it's BBC, but it, you can see it on, it was on like Masterpiece and it was on, it's on Prime, but on uh, the, the streaming show, Paul Dark, um, which was about this, this book series called Paul Dark from like the 60s or 70s about uh, a British soldier who goes back to England after the revolution and all the issues where he's trying to reclaim his family's land and the issues he mm-hmm. has with 
yada, 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 right? So Aiden Turner, who played the young Sam Elliott in The Man Who Killed Bigfoot, and then, or The Man Who <laughs> Killed Hitler, The Bigfoot, who, yep. and he was also Killy in, um, in the Hobbit trilogy. Well, his cousin, who he's been friends and rivals at times with, his cousin was played by Kyle Soler. His, oh. And that guy's grandmother in the show was played by drawing a blank, the original actress who played Mon Mothma. From no. Yeah. How did you pull that all together? It was uh, my bride who was like, I want to say that she was in Star Wars. I'm like, what? So I had to look it up. <laughs> so wait, what show was it you were watching that 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 this prompted Paul this? Dark. Paul Dark. Okay. Yes, a British historical drama based on the no- novels by uh, Winston Graham. It was on the BBC. Mm-hmm. And, um, he played uh, Kyle Solar played the the cousin of the lead. Uh, the lead actor, the lead character, so to speak. Yeah. Damn. Yes. Okay. Caroline Blakiston. So it's a small world. Yes, she played Mon Mothma in Aunt Ethica. Yes, she's 89 years old. Good for her. And um, the the current woman who plays Mon Mothma, uh, Mon Mothma, Genevieve O'Reilly, was born in 1977. Uh, when she portrayed Mon Mothma in 2005, let's just say 2004, because that's when they would have filmed it. She was, and like all of her shit was like cut out. Yeah, I know, I know. I think she was really just like set dressing. She was twenty. Seven years old. Yeah. Jesus. But she came back in Rogue One. I think she did the voice. In she Rebels. did Rebels. Mm-hmm. So she's, she's and she'll be back here. It looks like they're going to do. She's going to have a subplot in this too. At least. If oh yeah. You look at ads, which uh, the trailers, which I'm good with. Uh, I well, I mean, still in Skarsgård, I feel like was summoned or bidden by her to to, to go get Andor. Well, I love Stellan Skarsgård. He's great and everything. Yeah. Whether he's a bad guy, a good guy, whether he plays the wacky professor who runs around Stonehenge with no underpants on. <laughs> well, that was just that was him working on his uh, uh, audition for the, sh- the the movie Nympho. Uh, oh lord! <laughs> he was in that movie. He was in those two movies. <laughs> he, was, he was also in the Hunt for Red October. So, no, he was the the sub that they was trying to. He was the Russian sub captain who was trying to hunt down Sean Connery. Oh man, yeah, Hunt for Red October is such a good movie. Had everyone in it. Had Gates McFadden in it, but I've never seen the beginning of Hunt for Red October, so I wouldn't know. <laughs> um, 
Yes, she played Jack Ryan's wife. Yep. It was basically a cameo. So what, she was in it for six minutes and 45 seconds? Shut the fuck up. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, getting back to uh, Andor, uh, you know, they have... They have some studs in the cast. Uh, Diego Luna, definitely solid actor. And, you know, the thing about Cassian is, is at times he's not, even in this series, he's not really the most likable guy. I didn't find him very likable in Rogue One. That's kind of why I wasn't looking forward to the show. I, I mean, I found him to be utilitarian. He needed to be. I, I, there was nothing unlikable about him, but I didn't find him likable either. You know. Well, I mean, he had to, he did a lot of terrible shit. He but did. He knows he does terrible shit. You know, right. It's kind of like the operative from uh, from Serenity, where he's telling Mal Reynolds, like, I'm not the guy who will live in this great world because I have to do all of this evil to make the new world. Mm, yeah. That's true. That's, That's kind true. of what Cassian is. He's like, he's the he's section thirty one. You need me on that wall. He's, <laughs> he's the guy who get he's he's the guy who gets his hands dirty and bloody, so yeah. that other people can live a happy life. <clears throat> it's true. I mean, the oppressions of the of Endor of the Empire, but. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you watch him in these first three episodes, he, for the most part, lies and uses just about everybody he works with. Or everybody he knows. Yes. Um, there does seem to be some genuine affection for his surrogate mother figure. As well as... Uh, played by Aunt Petunia. I'm unfamiliar. Aunt Petunia, the uh, Harry Potter's aunt from not Harry Potter. Potter. Oh, Potter. no, yeah, that's right. You didn't. You haven't watched Harry Potter. Watched okay, well, she was the movie. head. Sorry. I watched the original movie. It just didn't strike me enough to watch the rest of it. Oh. No, that's fine. I mean, no judgment. Um, You're just an outlier. Anyway, uh, she. you might know her as the headmistress from Three Men and a Little Lady. Been a long time since I've seen her. <laughs> That's how I knew her. I knew her, and then I saw her as Aunt Petunia. I'm like, ah, oh, she's from Three Men and a Little Lady. And then that's how I d- identified her when I was watching with my wife on Saturday. I'm like, oh, that's the Three Men and a Little Lady uh, headmistress. <laughs> Who? She's brilliant. She's so good in this show. She is. She I, is. I, I, I find I, I find her so refreshing to actually like. Well, she wasn't a bad person in, in Three Men and a Little Lady, but she was almost irredeemable in... Huh? She was almost irredeemable in Harry Potter. She was a tough character. Uh, the, the, the husband was the worst. She went along with it and was complicit with it. But uh, she played that well, too, though. Um She's a great actress. I got to give her credit where credit's due. She's just great in this. And her love for for, uh, Cassian. Cassian, She portrayed it very well doing the minimal amount of stuff. 
Yes. Marva. That's her name, Marva. Yeah, Marva. You get... Now, this, this is going to be very interesting to see how this goes. I mean, you see that Cassian has some affection for Bix. Looks like they may have had a romantic past before. I hope Maybe. not, because I thought that they were a brother and sister when I first saw them. Or from the same tribe, because they both wore yellow. Maybe. Because there's definitely affection there. There's always little touches of the hands. Yep. Uh, and wasn't it her ex-husband or something? Who dropped the dime on Andor? No, her current hookup. That's what brought me to my segue into this. Was It's the first time they showed anything even close to sexual in Star Wars. Oh, yeah, you're right. Is, uh, it's this interruptus, you know, where things look like they might get a little hot and heavy, but somebody always interrupts, like C-3PO interrupting Han and Leia and the Falcon and Empire, and, and somebody interrupting Han and Kira and the Falcon and Solo. Yeah. Like, it looks like they want to get it on in Lando's cape closet. Well, they would have. They would have. Yeah. <laughs> but I think it was droidus interruptus again. Yeah. Droid interruption. <laughs> but this, you see it them go. They have passionate kissing. She starts taking off her jacket and stuff. Then it, you see her walk into the bedroom, sit down on the bed, and look like she's starting to take off clothes. And the next thing you see is like she's in bed, half dressed. And he's like sitting, staring at her kind of creepily with his calf in his hand, which I think that might actually be the first time they've mentioned that term in uh, live action. Calf? Which is the Star Wars coffee. Oh, okay. <laughs> it was something that sure. I've been familiar with from the books and stuff. Interesting. And you're right, that was a very human moment that we saw that we never got to see until now. The closest I can remember, was it Return of the Sith? I'm sorry, Revenge of the Sith, when, when uh, Anakin got out of bed with, um, what's her face? Padme? Yeah, like they were in bed together, they were sleeping. But he got out, because yep. he was disturbed by visions. Yes. So we hadn't seen couples sleeping in a bed until that point. Correct. But this was more suggestive. Yes. At that point, Padme was already pregnant, so the deed had been done. Uh, <laughs> Much to your disappointment, I assume. <laughs> Why was I disappointed? You're, uh, uh, it's a joke that's not going to go anywhere. It's going to fall flat, so don't worry about it. So, <laughs> look, uh, this is dark. There's like people getting straight up blasted. You know, again, now you have young kids at risk. You have prostitution clearly shown. 
when he walks into the brothel, beginning of the uh, first episode. You have murder, accidental death. You have dudes being horrifically killed. Um, you have essentially police brutality. You have, have manipulation, backstabbing. It's it's dark. You know, you have a, a very strong cast, a, a lot of whom I, I hadn't really known much about, but there's also some with some well-known faces, of course, Stellan Skarsgård and Diego Luna. Diego Luna reprising a role. Um, I do have a droid that's kind of cute. Sadly, it's it's a droid with some memory and power issues. I like him. I love that droid. <laughs> He's the most human of all the droids. Because he feels shame because he can't perform to the best of his ability or the best of what they need him to be. <laughs> and he can't he can't stop things when they go wrong, i.e. when uh, Cassian is radioing in to the B unit. And he's like, oh, boy, I, I saw a lot of emotion out of that one camera lens. Mm. Well, plus, you know, it, it it like can like turn into like a box. So then it like when it's when it's like embarrassed or whatever, it, it shrinks down into itself. Kind of like yeah. a scared turtle. Mm hmm. So it is. Uh, it is a fascinating. Well, you've always got to have a cute droid, right? Yeah. Droid. They did a good job. They did a good job. I liked it. Um. And they did. They didn't have to do like um, sympathy droid like they did with that one wheeled droid from Rise of Skywalker, which they made it look like it was emaciated, and because it was abused, and so it had this PTSD. What like do or whatever it is called? Yeah, that one wheeled thing with the speaker on it, with the cone on on it, like. You were kind of forced to feel bad for it because, it, number one, they made it look skinny and emaciated, which, you know, I mean, it's metal. And two, they, it, that felt forced to me. I, uh, this, well, they are. This was better managed. Droid with BB 8. Now they're just, you know, stuffing another one in there. This feels better managed than that. Of course. Yeah. Which I like. I, I, I liked. Hmm? I do. I, I, I like it so far. We're three episodes in out of what? Eight? Yes. Fifteen? Uh, I think so. Yeah. Um, that's a lot of episodes, by the way. <laughs> well, and apparently there's also going to be. Looks like right now they're saying 12. At least they projected out to 12. So we got another nine weeks. I'm good with it. I mean, I, I'm good with that too. Um, if that means it's more storytelling, <laughs> and you get to see different avenues of the Star Wars universe. Hey, here's a Star Wars show that didn't show up to Tatooine yet. There's three. Yeah, uh, yeah. We've seen how many different planets so far? Three, maybe four. Yeah. I think four, 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 four different planets in three episodes. 
all of them like mid rim. Yeah, all of them were like mid rim, empire controlled or at least uh, uh, semi governed by proxy. Which I also liked that idea too. We got to see more of the the gentry section of um, of the empire, where you know you saw more people who were working for it. They weren't inherently evil. We did talk about this a little bit, but you knew that they were on the side of the Empire, particularly for their accent. And we finally get to see the working Joe on that side as well, which is interesting. Um, It does feel like there's no middle class, though. Which I, I, I... I don't know. I mean, I don't know what your thoughts are on that, but... It would be interesting to see like a suburban uh, planet, <laughs> for for lack of a better term. I I always felt like Naboo was kind of like that that planet where you had a bunch of suburbs on it, or or um, oh gosh, Alderaan. Alderaan was like a, a was a, a university planet. It was very intellectual. You had to have had some kind of um, stuff going on there with regard to like a middle class or whatnot. Um, but. Uh, well, I, I kind of think Naboo and Alderaan were like almost like sister planets. Very I mean, much. They, so. were, they were very lush. They were very green. Their human populations were elegant and, and royal that they were both some some form of royalty and nobility they have queens they have viceroys there's all those are very inherited titles even though they elect the queens on i think on i figured the out the answer to my issue you don't see you don't see a war start in the suburbs you see a war start in <laughs> Areas where there's a lot of disadvantage or a lot of over advantage. Not really in between. And like we got to see whatever this what was the planet that that uh, it ended on where. Um, uh, Andor got uh, rescued from by uh, what's his name again. Um, did we know what that planet's name is? Um. Luthen Rael is the name of Stone Skarsgård's character. Um, it's like Phoenix or something like that. Phoenix, okay. Phoenix was a very interesting planet. I really liked the idea that everyone had a different communication style, a very low tech communication uh, style. Phoenix, okay. A, a very low tech communication style that could be misconstrued if you were arrogant enough um i liked that that was good that was good they were talking about how it was intimidation no it was telling the people to get out of the way (laughs) and be prepared to do something you know uh so that was a neat little cultural thing um gosh i just gotta say i i was impressed with this show can I ask you, you know the guy who rings the bell every morning? 
Yeah, we didn't see him in the third episode. I thought they did. Wasn't he also ringing part of the alarm or whatever it is? He might have been, but it had been a it had been a few days between I saw seeing episode two and episode three. So I have to go back and rewatch it, but I swear that guy looked like Clancy Brown. Clancy Brown. Huh? I love Clancy Brown, man. That deep, dark voice that. I mean, he was the big Deveronian in The Mandalorian. Yeah. Clancy Brown. Um, I, since he didn't have a speaking part, do you think he'd even be listed? Maybe on IMDb. I'm looking. I mean, I probably should just look up Clancy Brown, but. Um, no, no, he's not listed in episode two. It looked, I'm not saying it was, it just really looked like him. Yeah. I like how he kind of, he like raises and like has a pose. It's almost, it looks almost like one of those fucking cuckoo clocks that you would get, you know? Oh yeah. Like Germany, ding, 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 you know? It looks very almost medieval. Uh, Yeah. And uh, I mean, obviously that was definitely something that we're going for to give it a certain flavor. Which I, I appreciated a lot too, because you saw that kind of same bell on the fire planet um, when we were introduced, reintroduced to Ahsoka in Mandalorian season two. Yes, and the same kind of, you know, not the same exact, but it definitely served that same purpose. You know, I agree. Uh, one of the things that I have enjoyed is. And even this with Obi-Wan, which does basically start and end on Tatooine, they at least go to planets we've never seen before. We'd never seen Alderaan, uh, aside from from space. And one scene at the end of Revenge of the Sith. So you actually get to see Alderaan. It's technically a known place, but nothing we've really seen much of. Never explored. It wasn't really explored at all. It was not explored at all, correct. So, I mean, I'm, I'm a fan of, of expanding the galaxy. I, I, so, I'm of that very much so. Where do you think this is going? Because we see it's a chase movie right now, or a chase, uh, it's a chase show. Uh, Andor accidentally was forced into a situation where he had to kill two company men who were. You know, I mean, the, the 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 guy who was in charge of that base figured it out perfectly. He did. He had no effort in figuring out exactly what happened, and well, he didn't he also, blame Andor at all. Right. Well, he said he he knew like the lead guy, and he's like, that guy's a son of a bitch. It's like, yeah. Basically, he's like, this guy probably had it coming. And yeah. <laughs> so he like they like tried to bully somebody they shouldn't have, and they paid the price for it. I mean, say what I you, liked say, that. <laughs> say, what, say what you want about uh, uh, you know career bureaucrats and shit like that, but sometimes they, there's times when they know when to ex- exert that authority that they actually do have. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's the thing that cracks me up too. Is like, yeah, you know, you get 
tired of shit where it's like, okay, come on, man. This really, like I've seen this before. But right. you have to, look, man, this is, this is going to be bad, right? You go out and you do this, and it's going to, something's going to get a shitload worse, is really what he was saying. Right. You know, like, let it go. Don't do anything because it's not worth it. It's going to be worse. It, it's not, it's going to be terrible in the long run. Mm-hmm. These, at least one of these guys was definitely a dude who had it coming. <laughs> and he basically said it. He's like, the guy had it coming. Like, he, yeah, he was terrible. Was basically what he said. You know. Well, I, and I get it. Believe me, I've been the young idealistic guy who's like, we need to go ahead and do this. We, you know, we can't, we can't uh, let this aggression it will not stand, man. <laughs> who was the seasoned sergeant that held you back without holding you back? Oh, there, there were, there were those. And... <laughs> You know, they experience, and you you try as as a leader, you try to temper that exuberance at times, particularly once you have experience. This kid's got no experience. He's a desk jock. You know what he kind of reminds me of? Uh, no. Did, did you ever see uh, L.A. Confidential? You know, I haven't. I need to. All right, well, there goes that analogy. Great movie. Yeah, Great. I'm sorry. I ruined the episode all over again. Well, remember at the very beginning of Caretaker when Paris and Kim report aboard Voyager and Janeway has to tell Kim to go to these before he sprains something? Yeah. That's kind of what this kid is like, right? Only, yeah. Only he doesn't have a, a Tom Paris to to smooth him out. He's got a he's going to a, a guy who's like him, only more ruthless and more competent. When he goes to Sergeant uh, Brusque Bosk. Uh, Oh, yeah, let's see. Uh, he was good, too. Where was it? Uh, just had it. Mosk. Sergeant Mosk. And here's something else that's interesting about this. And I didn't think about it until I had read a review or seen a video. I can't remember which. But this is hearkening back to the old company towns. You know, oh, yeah. History. Yeah. Particularly like the, the mining towns. Yeah, the mining towns. Yeah. Or the factory towns or. Yeah, and all that. These things that led to the antitrust laws and the, the unionizing and, and stuff in the latter half of the 19th century, nearly part of the 20th century, where like you'd have these towns that would grow up around these mines of these huge factories but like all the businesses were basically run by the company 
and they would mm-hmm. oh the shit out of you know they're or they'd get paid in company script and they could only buy it at the company store you uh, saw you you still see that in alaska in certain circumstances right yeah and when i was living out in the midwest we took a uh went on a, an old it was like a, a rail tour of the area and we went through the heart of eastern like Ohio and uh, Northern Kentucky, Western West Virginia, that kind of tri-state area at the, you know, right as where the Appalachians kind of meet in those areas. Go in, we were in the foothills of the Appalachians there and we were going through these old mining areas and they're all most long since gone. And there's, we literally rolled through, like we're basically ghost towns, which were like these, maybe they had been, you know, maybe a couple hundred people in what's left of these little towns mm-hmm. that were probably near these huge mining operations. And it's sad. Yeah. And you're like, wow. And, you know, they have somebody giving you a tour and it's like, yeah, these people did this and these company stores. And you ever heard any of these old anti union songs or these old union songs, these anti, you know, you know, having to pay at the company store kind of shit. It's it's really not good. No. That's that's the area where O'Brien's uh whatever great 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 eighteenth great grandfather was leading like the Pennsylvania coal miners and he was <laughs> murdered. Yeah, I wish I uh, I'm glad I, I wasn't born during that time. Yeah, I, I, instead I was born as a grown adult on the cusp of World War Three. So much better. Oh, uh, yeah. But that's exactly <laughs> what this is, though. No, I mean, when you look at it, the, these planets are under this company control and this company security. They're not a government. They work no. for a company. It's and refreshing to see. Right. And that's the funny thing is, and that's what the old guy is, that's what the boss is telling his deputies, like, we, they fall under our control, but we don't have a presence there. They're like a satellite of this company area, too. Yeah. I mean, their goal, the big boss was like, you know, we want to make sure the Empire is not here. Right. <laughs> Which we haven't seen one single stormtrooper, by the way. Not all a one. We, all we've seen is that device that he was trying to sell that had the Imperial logo on it and looked looked like it was ripped right out of the Death Star from 1970. Yeah, <laughs> it was. It was. So, I mean, bringing it back, I mean, where do you think the show's going to go? They're they're like doing proto rebellion. I mean, you're obviously going to see some background on Mon Mothma. Maybe we'll get an appearance by Jimmy Smith, you know, somewhere as Bail Organa. Yeah. We'll see somebody somewhere that's familiar. Some these proto rebellion. Hey, maybe maybe Sir Barristan Selmy will come back and actually have a speaking role as Jan Dodonna in this one. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we'll see the development of, of the rebellion and stuff. I mean Right, but Cyril will have to have a lesson learned, ultimately. 
and they'll probably tie him into the rebellion at some point, right? Well, and I think Luthen, Luthien, Luthen, Stone Scar character Luthen. Yeah. Yep. Kind of looks like because I think in the trailer you see him, Genevieve O'Reilly's mama. So I think there's the link. That's how Cassian gets into the rebellion. Well, that's obviously it. I mean, that was what the third episode was all about. He was being recruited. Right. But you'll see, because up until, you know, you start to see the formation in Rebels, but, you know, at the beginning of Rebels, there are all these different groups fighting against the Empire, not really working together. Finally, they start together more and more. And then you have, like, the true Rebel Alliance that is an open rebellion and armed conflict against the uh the empire the empire and by rogue one you're starting to see some consolidation minus you know saw Gerrera and groups like him yeah after the defeat after the empire's losses at scarif and then yavin Lots of people start flocking to the rebel cause. Mm-hmm. So. Oh, I mean, why wouldn't they? I mean, those are death blows to any anyone, uh, any other star system. So interesting. Well, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know to put a to put a bow on it. I think um, I was very pleasantly surprised with the writing. <coughs> It was and, a lot more organic. Yes. There was a lot more... I guess you would say it was more uh, fluid, and it it built on itself. It didn't just need you to move from point A to point B. No, it didn't feel like it wasn't going it anywhere either. So as to get cast in anywhere close to possibly joining the Rebellion. Right. I mean, it does have this trend that the Star Wars shows are having of doing flashbacks, which we're going to get a shitload of, I'm assuming, in this show. But Well, they're just trying to show where he came from and who he was and how he came to be. They did that with Din Djarin. Yeah. Not as much. It wasn't that bad. No. I mean, not nearly as bad as Boba Fett. <laughs> Like I said, if they had kind of just started Boba Fett from there and not showing the flashback, I, maybe it would have been more fluid storytelling to me. I don't know. I, I would agree with that. I would agree with that. But I don't know. But I, I'm pleasantly pleased. Yeah, I'm enjoying it. I'm looking forward to. I guess it's Wednesday, isn't it? Yeah, it comes out every Wednesday. Oh, so. You know what that means? I've got a whole bunch of episodes of podcasts that I have to edit and publish before (laughs) before this weekend. (laughs) As of this recording, I still haven't published parts two and three of our uniform episodes to to give you guys perspective. (laughs) Fair enough. So fair enough. 
You know. By the way, when are you going to learn that? When are you going to learn this craft of editing, my friend? <laughs> the, the minute I get a, a job where I actually have time to to not have to eat my dinner at after eight o'clock each night. Oh, are we going to be a little bitch about this? I'm just not kidding. Yet. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> That's a, that's a solid response, by the way. <laughs> Whatever you throw at me, um, I've been hit by IEDs. Whatever you're going to throw at me ain't going to fucking work. There's, yeah, you're right. It's it's not even going to register on the scale, man. <laughs> well, I don't know. I'm looking forward to seeing Andor continue. This will this will be appointment viewing for me, actually. Yeah. Uh, and I think next month, at the end of next month, they have the Tales of the Jedi, which I'm looking forward to seeing. Uh, remind me what that is again. It's basically like a proto Clone Wars kind of thing. It's oh um, yeah, they like it's an anthology series. Right. There's, there's like a couple of, uh, and I guess it's a couple of short ones on Dooku before he goes bad. Mace Windu. Well, yeah, but it's it really only fo- it really is supposed to follow like Dooku and Ahsoka, so interesting. Okay, so there's, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, me too, because it's the same animation as the Clone Wars, but you get like young Dooku, and, you know, like when he's a, a Jedi Knight and Master, or, like he has young Qui Gon Jinn, young Mace Windu, Yaddle, We're actually bringing in Yaddle. Oh, good old Yaddle. <laughs> that'll be an interesting explanation. Maybe just maybe that'll clear up some things. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? But uh, good stuff. I, I don't know. I'm looking forward to a lot of the stuff that's coming out on Disney Plus right now. Um, oh, God, what was I going to say? I was going to say something, but um, oh, yeah, Hocus Pocus comes out. Hocus Pocus 2 comes out this week. Yeah, I don't know about you, but that's circled on my calendar. Uh, it's it's circled on my kid's calendar. She's very <laughs> much looking forward to it, and, and we'll watch it together. I was the one who showed her the original in the first place. So, That'll be good father father daughter moment exactly right did. there. So here's a hoping because uh, it definitely. I hope it's good. It looks entertaining. I mean, the the first one was fun, so. They filmed uh, the second one entirely in Rhode Island. They did. So I'll recognize none of it. <laughs> yes, but Saru returns. Yes, as Billy. <laughs> that man, he's a freak. He he does not age. He does not change. He is, I don't know what is yeah. going on with that man. I'm sorry, what was that? He said, yes, he's still quite tall. Yes, he's still quite tall. And in this show, he's still quite dead. So, <laughs> but not. He's quite undead. So. I'm a good zombie. Yeah. Well, that's my oh, favorite cool. kind of Halloween stuff. It's the fun Halloween that gives you a little spookiness, but it doesn't, it's not full on horror, you know? Well, last year, Disney dropped the Muppets Haunted House. Oh, I remember that, yeah. Which was actually a lot of fun. And of course... It, it was pretty good. 
like all Muppet projects, it's loaded with cameos. It's actually oh, the yeah. last uh, screen appearance of Ed Asner. Yep. Pat Sajak wearing ghost makeup. <laughs> and then they finish, they actually start and finish with Electric Mayhem playing Dance in the Moonlight, one of my all-time favorite songs. And it's a That's damn a great version. song. It was a good version. Yeah. Now, before we do that, I did. I, I would be remiss if we failed to mention the passing of another great Star Trek actor slash actress. Mm. The great Louise Fletcher. Moment of silence, please. Who was phenomenal as the ever-scheming, always scenery-chewing, but like saccharine sweet. She was Dolores Umbridge before there was a Dolores Umbridge. She was a worthy successor, although not entirely to Nurse Ratched, the character she won the Oscar for in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Yes. Two extremely good villains. Or yes. Or at least antagonists. And that whole moral superiority, smug, false sweetness that she did with both of them, well, making sure that they weren't the same role was quite good. She yeah. was excellent as Kai Wen. And at times, there were even moments where you thought, is she on our side? <laughs> Just enough. Just enough. Just enough. It was a and subtly... To literally get into bed with Ducat. Yeah. Was kind of a twist. Didn't realize it at first. Give her credit. And she was disgusted by the idea. And then she was all in. <laughs> Mostly because of the power. Right. Well, absolute power corrupts absolutely. So Although at the very end, she did help Cisco defeat Ducat. Yes. She did redeem herself. But. Yes, Louise Fletcher, one of the best out there. Sorely missed. Yes. And we have a great way to remember her. Mm. So. Oh, uh, yeah. She was she was wonderful uh, in the role. And from all accounts, apparently a pretty nice person, which is good. <laughs> she, was, uh, she was a consummate professional. I do remember that... Um, in the scene, in the in the episode where uh, Vedic Barail mm. dies, that yeah. episode where where they're both on the same transport and she's injured, yeah. but he's mortally wounded. Yeah. Um, she had the flu. She, and but she still showed up and delivered all of her scenes. Like the crew was very accommodating to her to to help her out and get all of her scenes out of the out of the way right up front. Um, but. You know, it's still not an easy task when you're 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 dying of the flu. Yeah. And you wouldn't know it. Aside from a little stuffiness in her voice, you would know that she had the flu. But she had like a hundred and three temperature, like full on professional, full through and through, didn't didn't let the production um delay. Like 
You got you got to admire that chutzpah. Yeah, no. Excellent. She was excellent. And yet another. And of course, the ones we lost mostly recently weren't people particularly young. So still, a loss will be felt. And there are some pretty nice things put out on various social media platforms. Yes. So to that, we salute you. Um, mm-hmm. Thank you. May the prophets guide you along your way. Very well said. Very well said. And, and on that note, finish the end. You keep training, we'll keep working. Still a bitch, you stole my line. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I guess I'm going to do it. I'll see you in the high ground, folks. <laughs> you heard me, folks. We'll see you there. <laughs> so long, everybody. <laughs> Those Sci-Fi Guys is an independent broadcast by Alpha Site Productions, produced by DT Cavman and P.S. McKay. Music courtesy of Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com. For more information on upcoming episodes, follow P.S. McKay on Twitter at P.S. McKay, or go to thosescifiguys.com for past episode information.